Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Airborne will let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky VP at Dog Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show and welcome at Dog. Uh, mate, we had a pretty lousy efforts on the tips this past week. Um, I only got two and you only did one better. You got three. I only got uh, three, mate, but the, the bombers... The mighty bombers have beaten them. Bloody collapse, mate. I tell you. We're, uh, we're, we're yeah. flying. Absolutely flying at the moment. But uh, one I, win. Wonder, one I, win. I, I do wonder just how shit... I wonder how shit Conwood are. We, you can't even beat a team that lost to Carlton. It's, yeah, it's a fair point. Right, <laughs> let's get in the tips for, for round... Was it round six? Round six, yeah. Hub week. First week of complete hub week, mate. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an odd one, I reckon. It's, yeah. Hey, we, well, we can't discussing, do much better than two and three. So yeah, we'll discuss them before we uh, start recording. This is actually it's not one team not playing at a neutral venue. Every single team is playing at a grand ground that's not theirs, not their own. So let's get uh, into it, mate. Let's go. What uh, got? Thursday night at the SC. I'm going to tell you what the ground they're playing at as well. Just you know, SCG Geelong v. Oh, Geelong v. Brisbane. Three ver third versus second. Cool. That's uh, I reckon. Brizzy, they probably they've been in the hub life already a bit. They, but so, but yeah. so have Geelong in a way because Geelong haven't left home. This is Geelong's exactly. first trip. So it's their first trip away from the Cattery and you know, Brisbane's first trip away from the Gabba though, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you know they they're used to it, mate. They they're travellers. Where cats, they bloody park themselves down at the freaking Cattery and with their small wings and their small pockets and and you know. So I'm going the Lions. I'm going Brizzy as well, mate. I'm I'm rating them very highly at the moment, and I like uh, Chris Fagan come out and said that they're they're looking forward to it. They're waiting. They're looking forward to getting away from home for a weekend. So, man, if uh, their defense can do to uh, big um, Tomahawk what they did to the informed Charlie Dixon, who was in form and like now he's out of form. So that was that was the quickest bloody peak of form I've ever seen. Uh, Giants, sorry, Giants Stadium, Collingwood v Hawthorne. Sure. Uh, well, Hawks just got a bit of a touch up by GWS. I did just finish watching that game, and but Collingwood lost to Essendon, so they're shit, and they don't travel well. So I'll go with the Hawks. No side bottom. Anyway, uh, I'll go Hawks as well for that one. Um, Metricon Stadium, the Dockers and the Saints. Sure, both pretty fucking ordinary. 
I'll have to go to the Saints. Uh, Saints is probably sitting fourth, right? Yeah, but, you know, we're wankers. But I'll yeah. go to the Saints. Next game. No, you didn't ga- say who you're going for. Oh, thank you. Mate. Sorry. Uh, at the Gabba, West Coast versus Adelaide. I'm just going to go West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, again, at Giant Stadium, we've got Melbourne and the Suns. Uh, it, how, how are the Suns going to go without big Matty Rao now? Just unfortunate that see a young fella first year going so well and, and go down with an injury like that. So, oh, well, they still look all right, but... But Melbourne look just putrid. Yeah, they look good in patches against the Tigers. And... Yeah, I did watch a bit of that and they, they did look good. I just couldn't put it on the scoreboard. I'm going to go the Suns stuff. Yeah. Me too, mate. Um, and so they Knights. The mighty bloody Bombers. So up at Metricon Stadium. Uh, the Bombers versus North Melbourne. Yeah, well, North are trash. I'll go the Bombers. Yeah, no, the Bombers all the way, mate. Uh, this this one should be an absolute cracker, actually, at Metricon Stadium. Port Adelaide versus the Giants. Mm. Yeah, that's it. But, sorry, didn't Port Adelaide got belled in the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, they, they shoved it a bit. Um, Giants are starting to get going now, though. Yeah, I'll go the Giants. Yeah, I think I'd rather the Giants win than Port Adelaide, so I'll go the Giants as well. Uh, then at the Gabba... Richmond and Sydney. Cool. Richmond missing a couple of fair few players. Couple, yeah. First time travelling out of Melbourne. Um, oh, but Sydney are pretty shit. No, I'll go Tigers. Nah, Swans. Oh, so I'm going to go Swans for that one because Richmond, Richmond have struggled. Oh, Richmond have struggled as it is. And I feel like this, like going to the Harbors, players being back at home, it's going to affect them mentally, I reckon. And then last game of the rounds. Big one. Metricon Stadium. The Blue Baggers versus the Doggies. That's blues all the way. I'm I'm actually going to back you blokes in for this one. No, well, you did, that didn't work for you last time, but... Yeah, but yeah. I don't know why I'm backing you in, but I just... I don't know. I feel like you guys are going to hub well. Well, we've all picked... We've both picked all the same, so... Oh, fuck. Hell. No, didn't I pick... No, you, you went port and then changed your name. Oh, I'm going Melbourne then. Go Melbourne. I'll go Melbourne, as, I'll go Melbourne as the mix-up over West, over the... Oh, actually, uh, uh, Melbourne over the Suns. Nah, sorry. I'll, start, I'll stick with the Suns. I'll go Port over the... I'll go the, um, the Port over the Giants. Port. Right. And that'll right. probably be the only one I get right. Unfortunately, there's no team called the Falcons, which they bloody well should be, and get, you know... Uh, yeah, oh, but... I might go. I might go for myself for. A, it wasn't dry July. I might go for a, a long lunch for a brunch. Yeah, and you stitched me up big time in this one. The bloody the, the, the team song. Oh, that's a unique team song for the Falcons. That's no, a bloody Bobbers song. You <laughs> freaking <laughs> who gives a shit? But yeah, if you it, haven't it, caught it, on, it wasn't. It wasn't unique. It says I miss. I finally actually. Out of, 
all these teams, I normally just would sit there, write a new run sheet. I think this is the first one where I'm like, okay, I'll try and just outline a run sheet and we're good. And yeah, just having to have unique team songs, but it's quite unique. Yeah. Shit. I mean, yeah, it's ordinary. But anyway, we're going to Abu Dhabi. We're going over for a all-day brunch, mate, because that sounds freaking amazing. And uh, First trip across to the uh, UAE? Yeah, we're going over to UAE. It'll be nice and hot for us when we get over there. So enjoy this chat with Steve from the Abu Dhabi Falcons. All right, today we are welcoming our guest all the way from Abu Dhabi. Uh, it's Stephen Spencer from the Abu Dhabi Falcons. How are you going, mate? I'm very well. Thanks for thanks for inviting us on and giving us an opportunity to talk about how the Falcons are, are going and you know what what footy's like in the Middle East. No, awesome. It's uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Um, Let's get into it. Let's let's learn a bit about the Abu Dhabi Falcons. So, when and how were the Falcons uh, founded? Right. So, yeah, in preparation for this, I had to do a bit of research because this was obviously before my time. But the the Falcons were one of, I believe, the second club to be formed in the in the AFL Middle East. So, around the two thousand and seven. Uh, uh, bunch of Australian expats got together, I believe, at one of the local establishments and decided that it would be a good idea to, to establish a footy club in, in the UAE's capital. So 2007, I believe the Dubai Dingoes were already formed and, and potentially maybe another Dubai team. But around about that time, they were the idea was, was, was put into action to, to form this team. And then uh, subsequently, they were able to participate in a or their first hit out really was a nine-a-side uh, carnival uh, in Dubai in uh, in 2007. So that was it. So fairly young club, but uh, we've uh, we've had some you know some good times since then. Yeah, nice. So do you know who that um, that first game was against? I don't know. It would have been a, a, a carnival sort of format, so they would have you know spent the day playing. You know, a round robin uh, against all all the other sides. Uh, I believe the two or three Dubai teams um, were involved in that. And so, no, I I, I tried uh, valiantly to to get information on whether they won that first game in in the carnival. But uh, virtually everyone who was involved in in the, that inaugural team have have since moved on. So it was it was tricky, but uh, that was that was what I could come up with. No, we appreciate you. Putting in the effort to at least try and yeah. run out, but yeah. Um, being in a you know, very unique spot in the world, how hard is it to get players, and how many players do you currently have? Uh, it it can can be tricky. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on on how you look at it, all all the games here we play a, a nine aside. We we simply can't get fields big enough to to play you know normal eighteen aside. Games, so so we the teams uh, are nine aside, and, and we, then we have nine on the bench um, as standard. So we have at times, at least in my time here over the past five years, we've gone through periods uh, where it has been quite difficult to get players, where we may only have uh, you know two or three 
guys on the bench for some games. Uh, and and it's a, it involves a bit of a ring around to, you know, get guys, get guys playing. But then other seasons, particularly this last season that we've just had, we, we had some really good numbers and we had, you know, upwards of 20 to 25 players sometimes at training and, and some guys actually missed out on a game some weeks. So it, it's, very, it's very up and down and it kind of really depends on the, the bigger picture stuff that's going on here, whether it's, uh, you know, the job market and who's, uh, who's getting employed and, or who's losing jobs. So it, it's quite a transient expat population. So it really, it, it's very up and down. But last season we had, we had great numbers and it was, it was very exciting. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely a common trend around a lot of places in the world is the comings and goings of Australians as to how many numbers they have. Um, so going through your social media, trying to do some research, I noticed that start of this year you changed your jumpers to a different from a yes. different design. I'm a fan of them. I come across them like that's a bloody good looking jumper, and Rifty knows uh, my feel, you know, my love of unique jumpers. How did you come across, come up with that design and go with it? Well, that was that was a long time coming. We've, we've been after uh, sort of new uniforms and new, new designs for quite some time. We've had some sponsorship changes and, and things like that. So, the that particular design, most of the credit should go to our our president, uh, Tyron Farrell, who puts in a lot of hard work uh, behind the scenes with the club. But he he largely managed to organise that. We did have a few. Uh, few things go a bit astray with that we they were ordered from a manufacturer in China which created some some difficulties we managed to just get them in prior to everything going in, into lockdown but there was uh, the, the front of the jumper I agree look, looks great the back of the jumper with the uh, with the the numbers they went uh, against tradition and, and put all the single digit numbers with a zero in front of them. So Ooh. zero, one, zero, two, zero, three. So that's, uh, that's created some, some angst amongst the boys. We weren't, weren't too happy with that, but that's, uh, you know, it's <laughs> by the time we got them in after months and months of waiting, we, it was kind of too late to, to do anything about. So maybe, maybe version two of those will, will keep the same front design, but, but sort out the numbers because that's, that's a bit of an issue. Well, you know that single-digit numbered players are usually the ones that could consider themselves a superstar, so I'm <laughs> sure they weren't happy when they had these zeros in front of their number. Absolutely, yeah. That, that definitely upset a, a, few of the, a few of the key players, for sure. <laughs> the only um, picture I'd, uh, pictures I'd seen that of the back was, I think, the one that you guys had put up, and it was number 20, so show the back of them. I've actually just looked as you've seen, like, yeah, they do look very, very odd with that little zero. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And uh, it's, uh, it, it took some getting used to, that's for sure. But for sure. You know, you're playing footy in a pretty unique part of the world, so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, uh, you know, we're constantly dealing with, with situations like that. Um, at, at when, if we travel as a team, you know, and we explain what sport we play, people often look at us, give, give us a bit of a quizzical look or, you know, often when we explain to the, the groundskeepers where we're playing that we actually need four posts at each end, not just two, that seems to baffle a, a lot of them. And uh, we, we definitely, you know, are, are in a very unique environment. But that, that makes it a lot of fun also. Hey, Rifty, before we go any further, I want a one-word answer. What would your, you know, from our players' reaction, what would 
one word be if our jumpers come back with like a zero seven on them. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> but that'd be you saying that to our players. <laughs> no, that, that's like I said. The blokes that wear the low numbers, yeah. they they fancy themselves a bit. They're, they rate they're, themselves. They're, yeah. they're they're a little bit of you know look at me top top get up. You know the bloke that's going give me number one. Yeah, he thinks he's he's number one. So to have For a zero sure. in front of it, he's not going to be happy. And think about all For the players. Sure. And think about all the players in our team. Everybody that wears that low number would be cracking the shits about oh. a zero being in front. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Mate, yes. We would have. Yep. Guys Sorry, would the, the other to play it in. Yeah. The the other interesting thing with the jumpers uh, is that we're a bit like the junior footy clubs, where the bigger the number, the bigger the size, and we we tend to have a few a few heftier blokes who I think would like to consider themselves, you know, a number three or a number five. But uh, often end up wearing twenty eight or you know thirty something, so uh, you know that that's an issue for them as well. So I'm number forty two, and I was forty two because through my like thirteens, through my seven uh, under sixteens, it was that I'm a bigger, bigger person, so I wore the bigger jumper. But instead of being one of them blokes, it's like oh, I can buy my own jumper. I want number three. I just embraced it and have worn sure. forty two ever since then. Oh, so that's a very full. It should make it very easy when you go to another club to get that jumper. Sure, absolutely. All right, yes. so um, I hear you guys have a bit of a unique club song. What's the club song, and how did you how did that get chosen as a song? Yeah, that's you know it's another controversial one at the moment. It's it's the uh, it's the Essendon theme song. Just with not uh, controversial at all, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, with obviously bombers taken out and swapped swapped for Falcons. So, I uh, again that that would have would have come down to uh, obviously an Essendon supporter being being heavily involved at the, at the time of, of that choosing. There were some whispers this season when we actually got to sing it a few times that uh, that we should maybe maybe switch it out, but that would that would take. Uh, Take you know a, a fairly sizable shift uh, to, to to make that happen, but at the moment uh, the Essendon the Essendon song is ours, and we went through a bit of a lean patch for a few years where it didn't get sung a whole lot, but we we definitely uh, got much better at the words this season. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I, I feel a little bit set up because Ed Dog does write the questions, and uh, okay. as you can see behind him, he is an Essendon supporter there, so. I can. When he when he wrote when I'm looking at this question, I thought, oh, okay, maybe they've got some unique song yeah. or something. But to find out, it's only Essendon. No. Yeah, it's a unique and, let down. The question I'll, doesn't say unique. I, I'll let you know. It's the first time I've ever asked that question about the club song, and it just so happens to be a bombers. So, well, I, I'm putting two and two together. I, I'll always play when we stop recording. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, sorry. Um, so whereabouts, you mentioned the grounds, you know, having to get four posts put up. Where do you get to train and play your games? Yeah, so we, in Abu Dhabi, we use uh, a, an area called Zayed Sports City, which is a, a large complex of, uh, of fields and, uh, like, there's a soccer stadium there and then a, a whole bunch of surrounding field and a tennis centre and a big sort of sporting precinct. Uh, we train and play there. Uh, like I said, nine aside, we use a, a rugby field or a soccer field. So it is rectangular in shape. 
Uh, all the other rules though are, are the same, but we have a 35 meter arc marked out and you can only score from inside that. So uh, that's, that's the only sort of, well, that's the main rule difference. Everything else is, is, is more or less the same tackling, uh, out of bounds, all, all, all the normal rules apply other than scoring. You can't score from outside the 35. Although if you take a mark inside, uh, that that's okay. You can go back and take your kick from wherever. That, that that still counts. So, so we play on a rugby field or a soccer field there. Um, if we're lucky, we we get it marked out the the day before with all the all the right markings and the like. I said the posts get put up, uh, and then in Dubai we the Dubai teams all play at the Dubai Sevens, which is where they have a uh, again a large sporting precinct where they hold a big sevens rugby tournament every year in December uh, and and we, we just use one of the fields there so we yeah bounce between those two areas at the moment. And so it's they're good quality setups like a de good quality rugby field and some kind of magic yeah yeah the, the, yeah look there's not there's not a lot of uh, one of the things you get used to over here is there's not a lot of community grass areas because of the weather and you know the lack of water so these places are, are very well looked after uh, so that they are generally in quite good condition um, you know the, the, the grounds are gener generally pretty good uh, you know the, the weather is the the x factor that makes can make it pretty tough at times but but everything else is pretty good you know the the uh, the setup for the rooms and everything that we, that we use it's, it's generally generally not an issue now I imagine Perhaps ten years ago, that that was a struggle, but we're, we're pretty well organised now. Yeah, well, you could sort of picture guys in Australia hearing about middle footy getting played in Middle East, and yeah, they'd be picturing a field with sand, kicking dust around, and you know, <laughs> like it, it's yeah. It, um, but knowing a bit about Abu Dhabi, that like there's a a lot of money put into sort of sporting complexes and stuff like that over there. Yes. Um, so yes. I could imagine you'd have a decent quality field to play on. Yeah, th yeah, they are pretty good. They're, they are expensive to hire. Uh, that's that's one of the issues, and you know, one of the things that you you know is making sure that we're financially viable and getting sponsorships, and and that's really important here because it is it is quite an expense uh, getting all that stuff available and there's quite a high demand because there's not a lot of supply so we're always competing with with other uh organizations who who want the fields and it's um you know we're often you know if training finishes at eight o'clock you really often have to finish at eight o'clock because there's other people needing to use that field so you know you just have to manage it but it, it can be an issue at times how hard is it to get like your training and playing gear obviously you said you had the issue with the, uh, the jumpers so how hard is it at the best of times to even just get footies? Uh, look, we it, footies is okay. We we have enough people generally traveling traveling to and from Australia, or you know that the, the supply of footies is, is generally pretty good. And a lot of a lot of Aussies here, you know, keep a few footies lying around just for uh, you know to remind themselves remind themselves of home. So that's not such an issue. Yeah, the playing kit. Uh, you know, we have a, a bit of a high turnover of sponsors and things like that. So, you know, you, you buy a new, a new kit and uh, 
then a couple of seasons later, the sponsors change and you, you kind of need to change it. So, you know, that that can be an issue. But, uh, you know, the, the issue is kind of a part of the fun a lot of the time. And, you know, we, we just kind of laugh it off a lot of the time and deal with it. We know, you know, we're not... Uh, we, we, it really makes you just appreciate just being able to play footy a lot of the time and it just the, the the joy of just playing and and all the other stuff just uh it just makes it part of the experience yeah so you mentioned that sponsors changing frequently and stuff like that how hard is it to get sponsors for the club again it, 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 we have our ups and downs there when you know when things are good you know economically and uh there's, there's good uh, there's people establishing businesses and there's a lot of sort of stuff going on um, creating you know a bit of a, bo- a boom town here then then times are, are pretty good there and, and people are and companies and, and individuals are willing to willing to step up um, so they talk about some issues they had post GFC uh, you know nine or ten years ago it was a bit of a struggle but then in my time, it's actually been quite good up until obviously the last three months. So I'm imagining that it'll be a bit of an issue for us moving forward from here. Uh, but over the last few seasons, you know, we've had some some really good sponsors. We've had particularly, you know, our best sponsors typically are the Australian companies or businesses who are who are set up here, who you know are looking to get involved in in. Uh, in Australian sport or, you know, get exposed to a lot of Australian expats. Um, so we have, uh, you know, some, some good relationships um, with, with uh, businesses like that. We have a gym uh, near where I am here, Cobra Fitness, who have been a great supporter of us with an Australian guy running, running that. We've also had a good relationship with Eddie had over the years um, and, you know, some bigger companies like that. So it, it's, it, at times it's it's easy and at times it's a struggle. So um, you haven't been able to get a big uh, big oil sheik or something on board yet. Uh, you know we've we haven't officially. We've uh, you know we've had some some nibbles from some of the the Emirati locals. We did have one guy play with us for a number of years, uh, a, a local boy who actually um, spent time at school in Melbourne. Uh, so you know, spoke very good English and was, was very much uh, understanding of the Australian culture and had been exposed to, to, to playing a bit of footy. And, and he, he was a, a very good athlete, didn't have a lot of size, but, you know, he, he was pretty quick. So I, I think I only played a game or two with him, Ali. He, 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 was, he was very handy, but uh, I believe he then went on to university and we kind of, uh, we haven't seen him for, for a couple of seasons. But um, it's always good, you know, getting getting as many guys exposed to the game as possible. Tell you what, though, the uh, name of that gym is a very good name. <laughs> yes, I thought you'd appreciate it's that. A, yep. Well, I did actually see that when I was scrolling through your socials. I'm like, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, so you guys play in the AFL uh, Middle East League. So what time of the year do you guys play? Uh, we typically well, we'll play in the our winter, which is the, the Australian summer. So the... The season normally kicks off with a pre-season carnival uh, around October uh, each year, and by that time, at that time of year, it's still pretty hot here, so it's it, it, uh, it's it's a real challenge. But 
you know, we, you, again, you just have to uh, just embrace it. So, and then the, the grand final is played March, mid, uh, you know, mid to late March. So we have a, a break for Christmas, um, which stretches, you know, from mid December till maybe late January. A, a lot of people uh, travel in that time. So we, we just have sort of a six week break in that period. And, uh, and so that's, that's the time of year. So the seasons or the, uh, the fixtures have, have evolved a lot over the years. We've had a few teams come and go uh, over the years. So uh, that's evolved. But this year, we, I think we had the, the best, the, the fairest setup where we, we actually got to play each team twice. So uh, home and away against each team. And then for the first time, I believe this season, we, instead of just first playing second in the grand final, we had a, a preliminary final, second versus third, and then, then they, they played first in the grand final, which uh, ironically cost us. We finished second and then uh, lost the preliminary final to the, the Dragons, who finished third. Uh, so, yeah, we pushed for that for, for many years. After many years of finishing third, we... We, we pushed hard for a preliminary final and then it, it cost us this year. But so be it. It's always, always the way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned it like it's, it is your winter, but it is still quite hot. How do you guys deal with the heat across there when you're playing? Like, oh. like we, spoke, we spoke to the blokes in Thailand and they just said it was yeah. plenty of beer after the game. But I know that would be a bit different over there. No, I mean, that's pretty similar, to be honest. Uh, like I said, nine aside with nine on the bench means that you, you, the rotations are, are, are pretty quick. Uh, we've 15 minute quarters, no time on. So the games are, uh, you know, a fairly fast pace, but, but not too, not too long. We try if, if the weather is, uh, you know, particularly hot, say early in, in the season or, or later in the season, the games will, will try and start them early. We'll, we'll uh, play 10 AM or 11 AM if possible. But, you know, some of those days are really brutal, you, you know, 35 to, 45 degrees and potentially really high humidity. So it really it does knock guys around. Pre-season training, which we like to kick off August time, uh, you know, that, again, is a real struggle. We'll, we'll, we'll train quite late in, in the evening to, to manage that, but it, it doesn't really make too much of a difference. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it is just, just getting used to it. Your first summer and your or your first year is always the hardest, and then guys sort of get used to it a, a little bit after that. But but definitely, you know, the standard uh, rehydration of, a, of you know a few beers after the game definitely uh, you know helps guys out. But other than that, yeah, you just uh, if you need a spell, you, you know, you call to the bench, another guy comes on, and we're not too strict on the uh, you know the uh, one guy crossing the line and, and another guy coming on. If you put your hand up and start making your way to the nearest boundary line, you're considered off the ground. So that's how we do it. I know blokes that would still be trying to not come off the ground. Be literally almost killed over dying. No, I'm still good. I'm still. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not coming off the ground. Yeah, yeah. To be to be honest, I, I'm a bit. I have a bit of that mindset myself. I, I sort of grew up, uh, you know, pre pre high rotations in footy and the, the idea was if you came off you were either being dragged or you know you were had broken your leg or you know you, you never ever came off voluntarily my old man sort of drilled that into me so I've still got that sort of uh hanging over my head for sure actually yeah. like it's something that hasn't ever really come up before but I think that's a generational thing because I'm exactly the same like I may be yeah. full forward and selfish but I'm the same way it's 
I think we spoke to someone the other day about that, and it's only if you, you get pulled off when you drag. You don't just come off. Yeah, we, no, exactly. AFL nowadays, which I think will transition with generations, will become like that, which I don't agree with. Yeah. <laughs> He likes yeah, no, to say a it's a same. generational thing. He's not, he's not part yeah. of that generation, though. That's the thing. He's grown up. His whole time playing footy has been about having no. rotations. But no. him being the full forward, it's no. You don't you don't bring off your your stallions yeah, for. No, <laughs> Mate, just because no, you're no, a bloke that just plugs holes everywhere as the superstar you are, you can. Okay. And sometimes you need to plug holes on the bench, okay? <laughs> um, yeah. but. Following on from that, sort of, what's a, a winter like over there compared to an Aussie winter? Uh, it's nothing like it, obviously, but the, the winters here are great. They're actually really, really nice. Uh, they're like, I guess, an Aussie, a really nice Aussie sort of spring or, or you know, autumn that, that sort of, you can get quite crisp mornings. The mornings can around here can get down to eight, 10 degrees. It's really nice. And then you'll get, you know, nice sunny days with 20 to 25 degrees. It's actually, you know, it's great weather. It's still pretty hot for playing footy, it's, but it's not much weather's really nice. That is, no, it's not. It's what not. he's described is my perfect day. Uh, yeah. A bit more of a, like a colder side of the morning and then just an yeah. absolute ripper day. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we've got. So that, that time of year is, is the best time for sure. I reckon most... most... Aussie rules players over here would still struggle to play in a winter there oh, yeah. with, you know, 25 degrees every game. You'd be, yeah, it's not, not seen during our football season over here. Is it? It's, it's not, it's not, but conversely, a lot of guys here, you know, myself included would, couldn't imagine, you know, those, those training evenings where it's, you know, four degrees and it's been raining all day and you just, you know, you just can't imagine how, how you're going to get through training, let alone, you know, those, those, yeah. Brutal Saturday afternoons, but you you know you just uh, afternoons. You get used to it, yeah, and uh, and yeah. But the the winters are are great here for sure. Wait, people train when it's been like four degrees, pissing down rain all day. (laughs) Well, I thought I just got cold off when that happened. (laughs) I'm there. I open the rooms up, but whether anyone turns up or not. Keep keep the tracksuit on. Yeah. (laughs) Um. They mentioned sort of how the finals and stuff work, but how successful have you guys been in the time in the, the AFL Middle East? Well, we, our, our best season 2011, we, we managed to pull off a premiership 2011. That was before my time. Uh, there's only a handful of guys, I believe, who are, who are around who are still uh, members, members of that team, a, a very strong team. Uh, and then since then, I arrived in 2015 uh, and we, we had some pretty lean times for a couple of years. Uh, but over the last or last season was, was the most successful one we've had since I've been at the club. We, we, we finished second. Uh, we, won, we won four of the six home and away games, finished second. And then, uh, like I said, got done in, in the preliminary final. Um, but it was it was definitely a, a, this you know by far the strongest strongest club we've or strongest side we've uh, put out since I've been here. There's a question that I've been meaning to ask a lot of because I forget. So you only play six games, uh, six round season. How many games? Like how many weeks from between your rounds? Because some clubs we speak to literally train for the whole of the Australian winter, but only play eight games. 
Yeah. Uh, so we'll play, like I said, we'll start with the pre-season carnival and then we will have approximately two weeks between games up until the start of December. Then we have that longer break, you know, where, where people travel and, and go home for Christmas or, or, or do whatever. And then when we reconvene some, sometime around Australia Day, we'll, we'll again go into that every second week um, sort of schedule, which, which is pretty good, to, to be honest, especially for the older guys. We, uh, that, that week in between games is pretty important. We'll quite often train on that, in that off week, uh, maybe have some sort of a, a, a scratchy uh, if, if there's enough guys feeling, feeling pretty good. So we'll, we'll have six, game, six home and away games, the pre-season carnival, and then we might, uh, individual clubs, you know, will often have uh, quite a few practice matches um, periodically just to keep the match fitness up and just keep the, keep the interest up for sure. Yeah. We spoke to uh, Osaka a couple of weeks ago and they train pretty much every single week for eight, was it eight months or six months and play four games. Yeah, four games. Yeah. And we would chat about just, you know, we blokes just in Australia would not be able to, just wouldn't understand that. But um, yeah. So one thing I noticed going through your social media is, is that there's an AFL Middle East Awards Night, which is, I think it's fantastic. That, I'm going to guess that's a league awards night. Yes? Yes. Yep. Yes. So um, like what, what awards are up for grabs? that night um yeah so the, the afl middle east do, do a really good job uh the the general manager is a guy by the name of matt Byrne, who also plays uh for the dubai dragons and um has you know does a really good job of uh of, of running the league um and it by no means is it a conflict of interest that he he plays um he's he's actually a, a very good player uh, tore us apart in the preliminary final but yeah, so he, he organised all of that and organised the AFL Middle East Awards Night. Um, and this year, it was a really great night. We, had a, we managed to sneak it in just before everything went into lockdown. We had it uh, in the style of the Brownlow the week before the grand final. And, uh, you know, we have... They, it just a, it's a great show. We have all the typical awards for an awards night. League Best and Fairest and Leading Goal Kicker and... Uh, you know those types of awards, but then we have some unique ones as well. We they do an award for uh, best international player, so uh, you know someone who's not from Australia uh, hasn't didn't grow up playing footy, uh, and um, but you know uh, displayed a lot of uh, a lot of good attributes and you know ha- had a good season. So that's always pretty hotly contested that award, and then we have. Uh, also, you know, best first year player, but that's open to guys, you know, Australians as well. And then uh, uh, Rising Star Award as, as well. So it was always, it was a great night. There was a few, most of the awards, not unlike the Brownlow, you know, it's fairly well, uh, fairly well known who, who's going to take, take those home. But some of them are, are up for grabs, you know, at the last minute we had. Uh, I believe that the Ferris and Fest winner, uh, Ferris and Best winner this year, uh, was a guy by the name of Jordan Pollard who plays for the the Brookfield Bulls, and he, uh, my understanding is he's played a number of VFL games, and you know was was far and away one of the you know the, the most outstanding uh, player in the league, and um, took home that award fairly comfortably. So, but yeah, a great night for sure. 
All right. So, what about the the club's social side? What do, what do you guys do for 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 fun and for functions? And do you go on any uh, end of season footy trips? Uh, yes, yes, we do. Um, we've the we had uh, this season's trip uh, was uh, well. I went whether it's postponed or cancelled indefinitely, who the hell knows? But uh, we had planned on on going to Greece. Uh, for for the the end of season trip here, which, which sounds funny, but one of the you know the the great benefits of living here is the proximity to to Europe in particular. So uh, gone are the days of uh, a trip to Bali for the for the uh, end of year trip. The a, a couple of seasons ago, the boys went on a trip to Croatia for the end of season trip and played the Croatian national team in a in an exhibition game. Uh, got rolled pretty comfortably, but uh, they had a great time and the Croatian team definitely looked after them uh, on and off the field. But, uh, you know, those, those things are just phenomenal to be able to do. The, the Greece trip this year would have been, would have been amazing, but, uh, you know, all, all travel is, is off the cards at the moment. But, you know, th- those things are great. Uh, you know, socially during the season, we obviously have our... Uh, post-match functions after every game, whether we're in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi. Uh, most teams, or nearly all the time, all the teams will get together. We try to, the, the fixtures themselves, we, we try as often as possible to have double double headers. So with only four teams in the comp now, uh, you know, that, that's a really good idea because that gets all four teams, you know, in the same place at the same time. And then after the game, we can, you know, have a few beers and, 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 and you know, and, and hang out together and, and enjoy that. Um, and, yeah, look, largely, you know, it's, it is a, a very social club and there's, you know, lots of get-togethers throughout the year, you know, your, your typical stuff. Although one thing unique to the UAE is they, uh, across the board, they, we have, uh, they put on brunch, what they call brunch here, but brunch not as an Australian would typically understand it like a, a late breakfast or, but a brunch is kind of an all day, all you can eat, all you can drink uh, party that is, is at every hotel in the UAE, you know, every weekend. Uh, they typically start at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and, and then run all day and then, and then into the night quite often. So they're, they're the, the, the standard sort of social function that, that, that we, you know, get up to every every few weeks or or every, every month when we don't have a game. So they're they're pretty unique to the UAE, but uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. All right, two things. So the reason I had a bit of a laugh about the uh, footy trip question was, God, as Rifty said, I do the questions, and I'm loving finding out where people are going on their footy trips. I just wasn't expecting Greece. I just, but we're hearing where. And one of the reasons I have it in there is so when our players listen to it, they just get super jealous. Because like, say like a Bali trip, they went there a couple of years ago. We went on a two-day cruise this year. And that was awesome. We're hearing clubs going to all these different places. Yeah. The other thing, this brunch you talk about, a Rifty, what are the chances I can get a sponsorship to travel the world and just experience the social side while trying to have a kick at the footy? Because <laughs> yeah. I think there's like every, every single country we've spoken to is just suits me down to a T. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, again, we're going to have 
lose players to every derby now because they're going to eat all-you-can-eat brunch with all-you-can-drink. <laughs> and they might not... They might... You might get them for one game, but uh, I think once the brunches get a hold of them, that, that'll be it. You won't see them again. Yeah. This started us off one of the greatest ideas we've had, and it's slowly turning into one of the worst ideas we've had because we're probably going to lose our club because we're going to lose all our price <laughs> yeah. by the time 2021 yeah. rolls around. I, I'm sure if you put a proposal to a Fox footy or some, you know, someone like that to, to sponsor a TV show that would you know, put the bill for you to travel around and... You know, spend spend time at all these clubs. That's that's the, the play right there. Yeah, yeah there uh, it is. All right. There we we, we're getting you on as an executive producer of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have an Auskick program over in the Middle East. Uh, how long has that been going for? Yeah, the Auskick, uh, again, that, that was going for a while and then, and then uh, stopped for, for a couple of seasons and then uh, in the last two seasons, I believe, has really picked back up. Uh, the, the same problems that, that or issues that the league come up against have also uh, played establishing Auskick, but the, the guys involved in that have just done a fantastic job at, at getting it up and running. At the moment, that runs uh, at a school in Sharjah, which is uh, uh, about 30 or 40 minutes from, from Dubai, depending on... Uh, what part of Dubai. So it's the other side of Dubai to Abu Dhabi. So we don't actually have an Auskick uh, for, for Abu Dhabi itself, but there, there's one for, for Dubai and Sharjah that's run, run there at a, at a, a local, at a school there. Um, and they're getting, this season they, they had some really good numbers and they did some really good things there. When the teams come to play in Abu Dhabi and when we have, uh, you know, our double headers here or, or just the one-off games, the Auskick guys will, will, will bring the bring the Auskick to Abu Dhabi so that the Abu Dhabi kids can can get get involved in that because otherwise it's it's a it's a bit of a trek to get out there for the the kids around here. So um, you know that the guys there are doing like I said a great job and, and doing the best they can with with some pretty tough uh, tough conditions. But this season yeah, the, the the numbers were great and. There's, just a, a lot more kids uh, getting involved, boys and girls, and it's just really good to see all ages. And um, you know, when, when we arrived in 2015, uh, I, I think that was the, the year they didn't have it going. And, and my son was uh, 12 at, at the time, so he just he just joined in uh, the, the training and and everything with us. So he um, he was he was lucky at that age to to, to not miss a beat, but. Um, but now he's uh, he turned seventeen this year, and he's actually uh, this was his first year playing um, playing senior footy with uh, with us. So so that's been that's been really good. That's nice. Gets to play alongside his old man. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's been been a real uh, really exciting for me. It's probably kept me from retiring for a, a few seasons yet, just to to do that. So that's been good. Yeah, the uh, social media manager of the club actually told me that. So I was just going to see if it come up. And when, when you mentioned that your son was done Oz kick, I'm like, oh, he doesn't mention it. Now's be chance. But um, yeah, that's fantastic. It's also great to see how many places around the world have Oz kick. Like I've said a couple of times, we didn't realize there's that many bloody clubs around the world. And we're seeing just how many countries have Oz kick. It's just fantastic. But um, yeah, I imagine it'd be absolutely fantastic to be able to you know, run around with your son. Especially, yes. you know, him still being yeah. quite young. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, the 
funny, the social media manager at the moment is my wife. So that's why she probably, yeah, probably <laughs> popped that into the, into it. But uh, it has been great. We actually had uh, a situation a couple of seasons ago when my, my parents came to visit and uh, my old man uh, at that age was, uh, he must have just been 60, early 60s, but still pretty fit. And he had actually, he played uh, a fair bit of footy uh, back in his day. He played a couple of seasons at North Melbourne and played most of his footy uh, for East Perth in the Wapple. Um, but he came to visit us and bought his footy boots. And uh, at the age of 60, he came to training. So we had uh, his grandson, my son, myself and dad all at training uh, at, at the one time, which, which was great. Um, dad probably fancied himself as having a game as well, but uh, he realised pretty quickly, uh, although he, he was still pretty fit, he, it was his first time, uh, I think his first time having a training run since having to wear glasses. And the, the first time I kicked him the ball, he, it was like he couldn't see a thing and the ball happened to just hit him on the end of the finger and, uh, and dislocated his finger. So oh, he, wasn't, he was not impressed by that, but he, he managed to get through the training and, uh, and get, through it, get through it pretty well. So... If it makes that was fun, but the, oh, go ahead. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say then uh, at that stage, my son Aiden was was still too young to play, but we kind of decided that this season he'd put on a few kilos, and we felt that he was he was probably ready, and and uh, and he 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 did did have quite a good season, so it was good. Well, uh, I, I do thank your social media media manager Kate for uh, filling that little bit of information <laughs> in. I I was a bit like, okay, yeah, that's, it is a a nice bit of information to have, but a bit different. So it <laughs> makes sense. But it's, it's, yes. good. it's great to see that your whole family is involved in the club and it's, you know, it's not just yourself and your son. It goes, extends further within your family. Um, so you said you've been there since 2015. How did you get involved with the Falcons? Uh, well, when I, I moved over here a couple of months before the rest of the, uh, my family, just to get settled and, and get everything organized. And I just, really just hit the ground here and was just looking at, you know, things, things I could do, things I could get involved in, uh, just, you know, went to Google and, and looked up a few things, came across the Falcons, reached out to them. Uh, the president, Ty Farrell, um, another, another Perth boy who, who um, has been involved in the club for a long time, got back to me, went down to training and, uh, and, you know, just absolutely loved it. The, the boys were great. It was really a lot of fun to just be in a place where it just really reminded you of home. You, you know, you heard largely Australian accents, all sort of the normal banter and, you know, things that you get from, from a footy club and then sprinkled in there, you know, expats from other parts of the world, Poms, you know, Americans, Canadians, uh, you know, uh, Irish lads, guys from all over. So it was, it was great. And uh, I arrived sort of mid season. So, managed to get in a couple of games before the season season ended and, and then from there, uh, you know, hit the ground running subsequently from from that year. Oh, that's awesome. And that's some we've been loved learning about these, you know, expat Aussies sort of getting that bit of taste of home from, you know, joining footy clubs around the world and, and like you said, yeah. you know, having, you know, Aussies there that you, you relate more to and uh, I can imagine it's sort of... Yeah, even for your kids, it's a, probably a, a bit of an odd place to grow up compared to where they were back home with their friends in Perth. And so to have a sort of bit of that 
that Aussie feel to it, to you know, make things a little bit easier living so far away. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, there's, there's some great advantages here of exposing the kids to, you know, a real international community and, and all of that, which is great. But we're, we're very aware of maintaining that link to Australia and, you know, as much as we can. You know, we're fortunate here that our kids were, were a bit older when, when we moved here. So uh, it, they, they really do remember home. And, you know, my son's the first one to download the, the watch AFL app so we could watch all the games and, you know, we're watching the cricket and all that sort of stuff that just really does, uh, you know, take you back to, to Australia and maintain that link, which we think is really important. Yeah. Awesome. So how long have you actually played footy for, not just for the Falcons, but back in Australia and, uh, and sort of what posse do you play? Uh, well, pretty much all my life. You know, I was, uh, uh, well, a, a child of the 70s. I was born in December 79. So I grew up with a footy. And, and uh, like I said, uh, growing up, my dad was uh, playing footy. So it was always around footy clubs and uh, grew up in that environment. So, you know, junior footy from, you know, as young as possible, uh, five or six. And then uh, school footy and uh, then played amateur footy in Perth. Uh, for a couple of years before before I joined the army, so after joining the army, my games were few and far between. I played a few games uh, periodically for various army teams, and then on, on leaving the military uh, and uh, joining the fireys in uh, in WA, I played a few games for the uh, WA Fire Brigade team. Uh, you know, two or three games a year, but by that stage, I was uh, you know on the wrong side of thirty, so it's just in, you know, happy playing a few games a year. I was coaching my son's junior team in East Fremantle uh, and really enjoying that. Uh, so, you know, my games over the last decade before I sort of moved here had been uh, few and far between. But but prior to that, growing up, you know, my life was, was footy in winter, cricket in summer. So, uh, you know, it was just a, a big part of my life. So, uh, and then in terms of position, you know, uh, these days uh, with the, the nine aside, the way we play that, so we, you have basically three guys in the back line, three midfielders, three three up forwards. So, whilst it's set, you think, oh, you're playing on a rugby field or, a, a, you know, a much smaller field than, than we're used to, nine aside means you've, you've got sort of a, a field a field that's, uh, you know, you've got half the players, but a field that's sort of two-thirds the size. So it's actually, there's a lot of open space. So that that often surprises a lot of guys. I still like to play in the midfield. I, I, I just feel like uh, that's that's the most enjoyable spot to play. But uh, I'm slowly spending more and more time forward as, as I get older. Um, but that the forward line gets pretty crowded uh, with, with a lot of, Ex midfielders, as you as you can imagine, so I try and I try and spend as much time in the midfield as I can, but uh, but tend to tend to drift forward. But the the midfield's a tough gig here because you've got the ruckman and then just just uh, two you know two on ballers. So there's not a lot of secondary stoppages or or anything like anything like that. It gets pretty uh, it's it's pretty open. So if you can't run and run fast, a lot of the time you get uh, you can get burnt. So. Yeah, I'm I'm making adjustments as I go, uh, yeah, position nice. positionally. Yeah. Did you hear that rift? Forward lines are always filled. 
with ex midfielders. Like just <laughs> get in your way. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so, what's been like? You obviously played a fair bit of footy in your junior days and stuff. But what's been the biggest highlight of your time playing for for the Falcons? Uh, look, definitely, definitely this year playing with my my son Aiden. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty unique story. Probably just. Uh, you know, largely stemming from having having kids quite young, uh, that, that that became a possibility. So um, that that was just really good. I kind of had my had my concerns. I was you know a bit worried that if if someone belted him, that I would have to uh, you know play the protector and and lose focus on on the game. But you know the, the other teams that uh, we we came up against this year actually were really good. You know. Uh, I wasn't keen on him getting belted behind the play, but I also didn't want him to get any uh, easy kicks or, you know, if he was there to be tackled, I wanted him, you know, to get tackled hard. And the other teams, you know, did that really well. There were, there were no easy kicks. and uh, But, uh, you know, there, there was still that respect there. So that was great. So, you know, just playing with him, the, the few times that we were able to, to pass to each other or, you know, um, get involved in, in the same bit of play together, it was just a lot of fun. And then, yeah, just seeing him really enjoy his footy uh, after you know a few years of, of not really being able to play since since we moved here, you know, it was really good. So that that for me, I, th- I think you know that's the sort of a, a bit of a unique highlight that I'll remember for a really long time. Oh, it's fantastic that you're able able to do that. I I got the privilege to play with my old man a few my first year when I first started playing footy. Is he? But he was unfortunately, you know, heading into his twilight. He was sort of 58 at the time. So, yeah, um, he wasn't quite going at the pace he was when he was a bit younger. But, yeah, it was still yeah. me and my brother got to play play alongside our old man. And, um, yeah, it's something that we'll heal. He's, he always brings it up and, and, and it's a memory he'll have forever. And it's a shame you didn't get to play a game with your old man and your son. But Yeah, yeah. Well, well Dad coached me for a number of years. Uh, at school, he 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 was the head coach of uh, of Aquinas College in Perth um, for probably two decades uh, from memory. So when myself and my brothers went through there, he he coached us, uh, but we didn't get to play. He he was uh, suffered a, a lot of injuries in his career, but I did I did play cricket in the same team as him. We opened the batting together uh, for a few games, so. So that, that that was something and, and that was a lot of fun also. It's always nice to you when <clears throat> uh, families have got a sport connection. Like you know, you've played with your dad for cricket and now you've played with your son for footy. It's always nice. Um, so being from Perth, I'm going to guess you're either a free man or a West Coast fan. <laughs> you know what? This is I, I thought this question might come up and, and I've got a bit of a controversial answer to this because uh, obviously... Uh, grew up as as uh, sort of East Perth supporters in uh, in Perth, and and uh, that we have some really strong family ties. Uh, even my my grandfather and my father played a lot of games for East Perth, so that was that was a given. But uh, in terms of the AFL, so Dad played like I said a couple of years at North Melbourne, so we we've got a soft spot for them. But outside of East Perth, we were never really a big 
uh, like one team AFL or VFL uh, supporters. So it's a controversial answer because we've sort of lived in a, in a variety of places. So we tend to, to follow teams that we, where we lived. When we lived in Sydney, we went to a lot of Swans games. Prior, this was uh, pre-GWS. And obviously, we, we went to a lot of Eagles games growing up as kids. Um, my brother's passionate West Coast. But I tended to be more of a studier of games rather than a supporter of a particular team. So I had my favourite players growing up of different teams. And I know it's a really controversial answer and the boys give me a really hard time about it. But I loved watching certain players and, and then wasn't uh, as, you know, diehard on, on any particular team other than East Perth in, in, in the Waffle. So it's controversial, but I sort of understand it because you said you were born in 79. So you had a good one. Eagles were 87? 87, that's right. So you've always yeah. you've had eight years. And normally when you find your team is around that six, seven, eight-year-old mark. And because you've yeah. got ties to East Perth, like, you know, I can actually understand how you wouldn't, you know, be sold on one AFL team because your earlier years, as you said, were following a waffle team. So it makes sense. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've had my favourite players over the years and, and even to this day sort of continue to do that. There's, there's guys that I just really like watching to play and, and how they play and, uh, and you know, the, the team to me doesn't matter so much. But, look, for, you know, for the big games, if you know, for grand finals or, or finals in general, you know, I'll definitely have a soft spot for, for a particular team. And, and, and But in terms of being uh, diehard on one team other than the, than the mighty Royals... Uh, not to be. Although I also will add to that that I have a soft spot for, for Claremont because I ended up doing a bit of work for them for a couple of years uh, before it came to Abu Dhabi. Um, so I was involved in the strength and conditioning side of things at, at Claremont for a couple of years and, and had a lot of good friends and made a lot of uh, good connections there. So a soft spot for the Tigers, but long-term East Perth for sure. All right. So you imagine you mainly followed players. So Who's your favourite of all time and who's the favourite to watch now? Uh, so, again, probably probably another controversial answer, but my favourite guy to watch growing up was Greg Williams. I just loved... Nothing loved controversial watch. about that at all. <laughs> I know he, he, he gets a lot of people fired up, he, but I was Nothing. just amazed. I, I loved watching a guy who you know, didn't or lacked some physical attributes that a lot of other guys had, but was just so smart and so, um, just so good. And so, uh, so skillful. And, you know, he, it, I, I used to always try to emulate him with handball and, you know, kicking both sides of the body and, and, um, and all his sort of mannerisms. It probably also helped that I wasn't blessed with a lot of speed either. So I kind of gravitated towards him. Oh, let's and just then, spend the uh, rest of the time speaking about Greg Williams, how good he was. Look, okay, I'll sit here, and you say it's controversial, but I'm actually sitting going, it's nice to hear somebody not go your Wayne Carey, your Gary Ablett's, like, because yeah. they were the superstars, the, you know, look at me. So here's someone yeah. talking about uh, Greg Williams, you know, your workhorse in the midfield. It's actually quite yes. nice. So if you want. Yeah. And should have <laughs> yeah. had another Brown, though. It was Rob. Rob by Wanganeen. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Now we're crossing the line here. <laughs> hey, absolutely robbed, and you know it. 
yeah, I was I was pretty upset uh, with that I one. I can't understand why. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, but then then later on, I, I the, the sort of the Greg Williams, Mark II, Sam Mitchell. I, I always enjoyed watching a lot of him as well. I felt he was kind of that that similar sort of player, and uh, you know, I was just fascinated by by guys like that. Um, who you know were able to do those, those sorts of things, but you know, I still, I look, I still loved watching Gary Ablett Senior. I still remember, I still remember the '89 Grand Final, watching it at my grandparents' house, and uh, you know, all uh, all the stuff he did. You know, all those guys uh, loved watching James Heard. Um, uh, so you know, all those guys, but definitely Diesel was uh, was the favourite. Yeah. So you mentioned you want to mention the Sam Mitchell story. What me too. You, you can do it, mate. Oh, yeah. So we just, we, were, we actually were just on a chat with uh, the Hawaiian Eagles. Um, they're a new club that's just started up in Hawaii. And for their very first game, they had Seattle fly over to play for them for their very first game. And uh, they were struggling for numbers and stuff. And there just happened to be this bloke who's walking by and um, saw a game of footy going on and said, oh, do you mind if I come over kick with you guys? And they said, oh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> Didn't know who he was. Gets yep. out there, starts absolutely dominating this game. And later on, they find out it was Sam Mitchell. He was just happened oh, to be on God. holiday in, in Hawaii and thought, oh, I'll go have a kick with these guys. It's perfect timing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, we we have had potential situations like that happen here with, uh, you know, guys coming through Dubai or Abu Dhabi. But... Early on, they, they put in a bit of a rule where you had to you had to be a UAE resident to, to be able to play and you had to be registered like that. If there was a situation like that, you could seek approval from the other clubs that, uh, you know, such and such is coming through. He's reached out. He wants to have a game. And then it, it, if the other clubs agree to it, uh, that's all right. But I, I, I have a feeling maybe in the early days, you know, uh, some teams got burnt by a recently retired player sort of, you know, coming over and killing us. But, you know, if a guy's living here legitimately, uh, you know, I know guys have done that. Like I said, uh, the, the the Brookfield Multiplex Bulls, I think, have three guys who have played a fair bit of VFL footy uh, who live here now, and, and they, they carve up teams a lot of the time. And then, yeah, guys who uh, we've had, I know guys over the years who have, you know, appeared on AFL lists at times and uh, then find themselves here post-career. And, and uh, it's, always, it's always good seeing, you know, superstars, you know, come through and, and give it a crack. Yeah, it would be. Uh, well, let's sort of switch it up a little bit. We're going to get some, uh, just some funny questions for you to th- throw a few teammates under the bus, um, <laughs> as, as we like to call it. Um, so what's the, we're going to ask you, you know, who's the following and you just sort of, whoever you want to throw under the bus. So Ed Dog, you got the first oh, one, mate? I got the first one. So who at the Falcons is the ladies' man or who thinks they're a ladies' man? Um, yeah, well, this, I did, uh, I did, you know, know that these sorts of things were likely to come up. So I reached out to a few of the boys to try and get some feedback. The ladies' man was a was a tricky one. We don't get a lot of uh, we don't get a lot of single guys coming through here, but uh, and it's generally an older crowd. But we do have we do have a few guys. We did have one guy who hasn't played with us for a couple of years who went by the name of Smurf. He was from uh, he was from Europe and was a, a very good 
believe from Belgium, uh, a very good junior soccer player, a very good athlete. But he, uh, he was unanimous amongst a few of the boys that he, uh, whether he was a ladies' man or just thought he was, that, that's still up for some debate. But he was known to, you know, uh, delete and then uh, re-download Tinder on a regular basis, you know, depending on and just change change names at, at times or any of the tricks that uh, that you have to do these days. It's not something. Uh, it's you know, it was different for me. So I'll, I'll leave it at Smurf and we'll, we'll let's go with that. Yeah, myself and Rifty have never had to venture down the Tinder way because that was we've been relationships well and truly past that. But um, I do know a couple of people that have. I'm on Tinder, I'm off Tinder, and then you see them day later. Oh, I re-downloaded Tinder, so I, I <laughs> yeah. definitely understand. That seems to be the way it goes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. So who's the class clown or the joker of the club? Uh, well, I, this again, you know, had a, had a few a few guys uh, when, when nominated for this, but I'm, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to take the, uh, yeah, stick with what I believe. We have, we've got a guy by the name of Nate, Nate Fulgrave, who's a boy, an Adelaide boy. Uh, and he does a lot at the club, a lot of good stuff at the club. He kind of fills in a lot of the gaps, uh, organising and, and, and uh, coaching at times and, and doing a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. But he's also, you know, widely renowned as the uh, the joker of the team and just is constantly uh, dishing one-liners and, um, you know, one of those, those guys that every footy club has. Um, he sometimes crosses the line, but... Uh, but you know that's part of living on the edge. So, so Nate is is the guy for that for sure. All right. So, who's the biggest party animal? Lost the uh, you there? audio there. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. So, who's the the biggest party animal at the club? Yeah. Well, this this came down to two guys. We've got, uh, and again, I'll. I'll I'll put it, you know, put it on myself to to pick one of them. But we've got a guy who, and if this name is not the name of a party animal, Danny Ferrari. Okay, oh. Ferrari is, is a surname, and that's not a nickname. That's that's he's he's one of the the real characters of the club. Um, he's on the wrong side of forty now, so he I don't know if he's as uh, prolific as as he was in his younger days, but he is definitely uh, my nomination for for the party animal, and is. Not just in in the UAE either. He uh, is routinely living it up in in all parts of the world, and uh, well, and he's got know, to putting, putting the rest of us to shame. Of course, of course. Does that uh, does that ring a bell, Rifty, to you? Bloke on the other side of forty, still the biggest party animal at the club. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. But what's yeah, what's ours right. like? Almost sixty. He's still probably the biggest party animal. <laughs> yeah. Does he have a nickname besides like? No, no, he doesn't need one. He just uh, goes by Danny and, uh, uh, you know, his reputation precedes him. Definitely. Oh, definitely. That's a bit disappointing. He's not getting, uh, you know. Well, maybe he does. Maybe I'm just, I'm just yeah. out of the loop. And, and not one of the Ferrari so models. Maybe... I don't know what the top Ferrari model is. Like... Yeah, well, we do, you know, we have Ferrari World just about a uh, 10-minute drive from where I am right now. So we, we joke that that's named after him, but... Yeah, uh, you know. and you're in a place where there'd be plenty of Ferraris getting driven around. That's absolutely, sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, but who's the person that just takes the game far too seriously? Uh, 
you know, potentially me, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, throw myself under the bus. Um, we've had, uh, before this season, look, our, our coach uh, for the last five or six seasons, a guy by the name of Josh Walker, who's a young guy and was a very good footballer in his day, uh, but has had had four knee reconstructions and, and needs a fifth. Um, so he really can't play at all anymore. Uh, he, he definitely is pretty serious about his footy and um, definitely, you know, shows, shows that on game day. But I, I guess that's probably the typical of, of most coaches. Um, so we've had a, a, a recruit this year uh, by the name of Trav, who, who is um, a very, very good footballer, but uh, a bit of the, the old white line fever come, comes into him. Uh, you know, from, from time to time. So he he's a very good footballer, but can be uh, a bit a bit loose with his elbows potentially at times. But it, it, he's he's managed he's managed to keep it in check. Uh, you know, he, he plays the game very hard, but but you know, in in the best spirits. But uh, he he's definitely one for for a bit of white line fever. But but a great guy to have on your team. Uh, nice. If, if... Once you've uh, we've put it out, go back and, and listen to the uh, Bali episode. There's a good story about white line fever there with a an, ex, an ex-AFL player just taking a, a game in Bali a little too seriously. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I, funny you should mention that. I, I uh, was recruited to my, uh, my cousin's Perth-based team a few years ago to play in the Bali Nines tournament. So I've witnessed Bali uh, white line fever firsthand and it's it's pretty prevalent over there, so I, I, I can imagine I can imagine that story. I'll definitely yeah. listen out for it. Nice. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Well, where can everyone go to to follow along um, the Abu Dhabi Falcons and 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 uh, you know get in touch with you guys if they they're over that way? Yeah. Look, uh, we have the, all the normal social media. So Abu Dhabi Falcons on Facebook. And I believe it's the same on Instagram. Should know that my, my wife's running it. So um, I'm, I'm sure if you uh, search for Abu Dhabi Falcons on those two platforms, it'll come up. Um, AFL Middle East are also on there. Uh, and they also have a website, you know, with, with all the links to the, to the, three, other, the three other clubs. Or there's yeah, three other Dubai-based clubs. And then we have, there's a club based in Doha in Qatar. But... Uh, who I believe are still up and running, but they uh, we've had some issues between the UAE and Qatar of late, so we can't travel freely between the two countries. So they're just doing the world's longest pre-season there at the moment. So all those uh, links are, will be on through the AFL Middle East and uh, and and then us on the uh, the relevant platforms. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, share all those when. Uh when we put post this up and uh, yeah, go check out the, those jumpers. Um, they do look fantastic. Just don't worry about looking at the back. <laughs> yep. Um, is there anything else said, though? I just want to thank Stephen for his time today. It's, um, as I said before, it's actually recording this as a Friday, which is your weekend, which is quite odd. But, um, yeah, thank you for your time. Uh, once we can get into our rooms, which we're not too sure when, hopefully in the week or two, we'll... Um, Get a, some 
polo shirt or a jumper or something like that and send it across to the Falcons. A bit of a thank you and a mateship thing between the two of the two clubs. So, but other than that, thank you for your time, man. We really do appreciate it. Oh, no, no problem at all. It's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and yeah, thanks very much for inviting us on and, and uh, giving us an opportunity. It's fantastic. No, no, thanks for joining us. Uh, um, yeah, we'll make sure we'll send you over Polo. I'm probably not going to have much use for a hoodie over there in Abu Dhabi. So, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll just send you a Polo over. Um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thanks to your wife for organising it all with Vet Dog. And um, best of luck for next season. I'm sure you, you, hopefully your season will you'll go ahead untouched um, with all these restrictions, hopefully easing up well and truly by then. And, and yeah, you know, Hopefully you get to, to win the premiership playing alongside your son when you do it. That that would be great. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Ah, thanks. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.